What's going on, everybody? This is Jerome Moore, host and creator of Deep Disc Conversations. And firstly, I want to say thank you for all love and support, and thank you for exploring the perspectives of social change with me on this platform. I want to encourage you all to like, subscribe, and follow us on YouTube and on your favorite podcast listening platform, and make sure you give us a five-star rating if you're loving the Deep Disc Conversations. I appreciate all of the support again. I hope you all enjoy this episode. This is Deep Dish, right? Yeah, well, let's get deep. So, so I'm, I'm going deep on both sides. Brianna, welcome back to the platform. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing okay. Wish it was under better circumstances. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get straight into it. We like So for people who don't know, this is Brianna's second time. She came the first time and dropped gems about reproductive justice. And, and, and so go back and we ain't, we ain't doing no... Uh, no, uh, what they do when when your teachers uh, when you no no catch up. What, what, what is that called? I ain't been in school in so long. We, we ain't doing no uh, no review. Yeah, yeah, we ain't doing no review. We ain't doing no review right now. So go back and go listen to that episode where she break that down. But Brianna is the co-executive director of Healthy and Free Tennessee, and she does a number of things. Uh, teaches Vanderbilt, um, you know, uh, Black National Assembly. All, she she does she does a lot here in the city. Um, um, and most importantly, she's a she's a woman, and she's a black woman, mm-hmm. and we gotta talk about Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. And so Brianna warned us about this mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. this could pot- potentially happen a few months ago, and it has happened. They have overturned the Supreme Court has overturned the Roe v. Wade decision, and now a lot of states here in the United mm-hmm. States, uh, unfortunately, um, abortions will be banned. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know. I don't, I, I, I don't even know what it is. I have a lot. I don't even know where I wanna. I wanna. I wanna, wanna start. start yeah. um, but I want to just get your initial reactions. Mm-hmm. How did you feel when you seen that come through the pipeline? Yeah. So it still was very devastating. Like even though, like for years, I know when I first started working at Healthy and Free Tennessee, and I now transitioned to being a steering committee member, and this was back in 2017, and a lot of groups were talking about this was going to happen very soon. And so yesterday I got a text message uh, from someone and she said, yeah, the decision came and it's a complete overturn because there were different scenarios, right? Like it was, you know, maybe it'll be a complete overturn or maybe it would just be weakening like Roe v. Wade, but no, it was a complete overturn. Mm -hmm. And this was before like all of the news outlets came out with it. And it just still felt, it felt very overwhelming. It felt... It felt awful, you know, to be Mm -hmm. honest. And kind of like, you know, throughout the day, more things kind of came out. And especially what it would look like in Tennessee and what the Attorney General already is trying to do to ensure that, like, abortion is illegal very soon uh, in Tennessee. And so, yeah, it it was a hard day. And, like, different folks on, like, social media, some people I know, you know, very scared and, like, had lots of questions. And so, yeah, it was just a very hard day. Even though it was expected, it was still hard to experience it. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of contradictory out there. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 it's weird. And I, and I like to be a person that thinks, like, I like hearing different perspectives around mm-hmm. social change. Like, that's the purpose of even this. Like, even if I don't agree with you, I want to hear it and know and so because I, I can learn something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I learned a lot from our first conversation that we had, uh, specifically about reproductive justice and just how and how that kind of gets overlooked mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, compared to a lot of other crises that we have in our social justice um, society, with people that's trying to push for reform, change, 
um, abolishment, all these things around particular uh, areas. Um, and so you have this divide, right, in a mm-hmm. way, pro-life versus pro-choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I know which one you are, but I want you to just just tell us which side are you on and uh, break it down. If you can break both both sides down for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, first, I want to say that's a false binary. That's okay. something the right has said, okay. pro-life versus pro-choice. Okay. But I can for sure talk about what that has typically meant. Okay. But just to say that, like, we push back on that. Okay. Uh, and I think one thing I uplifted the last time was when we talk about abortion and who gets abortions, over 50% of the people who are getting abortions are already parents. Mm-hmm. So this is a full cycle thing. One day, you know, you might be terminating a pregnancy and you are not a parent and one day maybe you already have two children so going back into this pro-life pro-choice is very much so a falsehood okay but typically folks who have kind of kind of put themselves in this binary with pro-life is saying i'm not gonna i don't like to use the language of the right and what they say but it's under the guise of you know being for children and protecting children and families and that's something too that has evolved throughout time so even thinking about, and I'll talk about this a little later, like, you know, abortion wasn't the hot button issue it is now. Even back in the 70s, a lot of evangelicals who, you know, were the voting block that got organized and mobilized, they didn't even really care about abortion. It was mm-hmm. considered a Catholic issue. And so just kind of like throughout the years, it was this first focus on like the fetus. And then over time, because, you know, a lot of folks are saying, well, you don't care about the woman. Um, the writers use like this language around protecting women and children. And so ultimately they're anti-abortion you know that's what it comes down to and you can even think about it in those terms people who are trying to support abortion and people who are like against it instead of Mm pro-life choice. okay mm -hmm. okay yeah and so you know even folks in that camp they might say well no like we're not against x y and z but really it that's what it comes down to and people who typically been like in the pro-choice camp and again some of this goes back to like white feminism because some of uh, like these dynamics have like kind of emerged as a result but people in the pro-choice camp their complexities also within that because you have some people who are like you know we don't need a reason you Mm -hmm. know if you want to terminate a pregnancy if you do not want to be pregnant you should have the right to do that And there are some folks, you know, you might have seen like rape and incest, a lot of language. So some people are pro-choice and it, you know, it excludes certain other categories per se. So Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, okay, I'm pro-choice if X, Y, and Z is into place or there's something like deemed wrong with like the fetus when someone, you know, is carrying a pregnancy Mm -hmm. that they want to maintain. Um, But typically, like, you know, especially in the media, to break it down just in simple terms, pro-life, anti-abortion, pro-choice, you support abortion to a certain extent. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I believe that I am pro-choice. I Mm -hmm. think women um, should be able to choose... um, whether they want to keep a child or not keep a child. Um, and I, I want to get this later on, but I don't forget this point. That conversation about resources mm-hmm. really stuck out to me when this happened um, with this new law change. I don't want to get into that, but I just had to say it out loud so I don't forget it. But I also believe, and this is when my maybe my manliness comes in, <laughs> I also believe fathers should have a say in that choice 
I personally feel um, we made the baby together, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 I'm, and I don't want to use any type of wrong scenario, but mm-hmm. me and my girlfriend made a baby together. And um, she didn't do it by, by myself. She didn't do it by herself. I didn't do it by myself. Um, and if she says, hey, I want to get an abortion, I feel like I should also have a right into if how that happens, if that happens, because mm-hmm. we did it together. Because once the baby comes out, we have to make choices together about it. Um, is that thinking harmful? Am I just wrong? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is that just complexities of the situation? Mm-hmm. Um, because that's that's something, and I know it's a weird time to bring it up because mm-hmm. I believe this should be a, a woman-driven thing. But I don't think fathers should be ignored in this situation either. Um, what are your thoughts on that? What is the conversation around that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm gonna get into something else that's mm-hmm. crucial. Yeah, so I know last time I talked about like this idea of like, well, one, there are a lot of complexities, mm-hmm. but also this idea of control versus like this being a very complicated thing. Mm-hmm. So, one thing I wanna say, and this is what I believe, and you know, like groups I'm a part of, mm-hmm. we really need to challenge this notion of individual choice. Okay. You know, so like when people are trying to think about reproductive health care, it's within a larger context. And so, kind of with it, I already talked about how, you know, people are already parents and they're struggling, mm-hmm. et cetera. And so, I think about that as well when people are trying to think about what are the next steps? It's a pregnancy, what are the next steps? And so, again, I think that's something that like the media, has fun, but like people do consult the folks they're with if that's like a man, if it's non-binary person, whoever else was a part mm-hmm. of the situation. And yeah, I think it is very complicated. I like on one hand, and I'm very much so like always gonna believe this, like whoever's carrying a pregnancy, thinking about maternal mortality, especially black maternal mortality, that could equal a death sentence. Right. Like if a person doesn't want to be pregnant, like that is something that has to be a part of the conversation. And also, I think it's a both end. I think there are a lot of nuances that, and I've said this like uh, last time, like when we think about families, especially black people reclaiming families, that's something that we have to be very intentional about, uh, like including into the conversation. So I very much so push back on these myths. Like people are saying like, oh, the dead ain't gonna be in the picture anyway. Like I'm not gonna, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And no, I don't think, I don't think we should be doing that. So there's another conversation that's not this conversation when it comes to like, oh, like, you know, I should be a part of the decision. I think there's some other things that we have to like, in a lot of ways kind of like unpack and, right. and reclaim right. um, because if you are in a relationship, and again, you've done a lot of unpacking, all the anti-blackness, all these uh, different things that come up in our interpersonal reactions, you know, it, it wouldn't that wouldn't even be a, like a question. Right. And so I think there's just so much, you know, and I've seen people say, I don't know if this is a question, but I want to speak to it uh, a little bit. 
Yeah. That like people should just get vasectomies. Men should get vasectomies. Yeah, I've seen, I've, I, I've seen those posts yeah, this week. Yeah, and that, that's messed up, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's very messed up because if this is an issue of bodily autonomy, mm-hmm. and that's what going back to reproductive justice, how that's different than reproductive rights, mm-hmm. and how like again, it's not about an individual choice. Mm-hmm. Like no, you know, like right. so just to say that yes, for sure, like if it's like a. You know, a woman and a man who are in this situation, they should think about this decision together. Again, right. there are a lot of times why that's not a possibility, like, you know, abuse, other things that are part of the, of the equation. But right. no, it, also, even with that, like, kind of, like, going off of that premise, like, oh, like, you know, this is this person's choice, let them decide what kind of support or resources is for that person. We're expecting the woman or the person just to make a decision by themselves alone. Mm -hmm. That's isolating. Mm -hmm. And that's a part of, like, this capitalistic society that we live in. Mm -hmm. And so just to say, no, that is not what reproductive justice is. And that's not what we're saying at all. Another narrative that's out there um, that I hear a lot, and this is media. Mm-hmm. Right, this is media. This is what is being presented to us a lot of most of the time, and I think they present probably a lot of times the worst case scenarios. Mm-hmm. Right, the most extreme probably doesn't happen as much. Um, is that man shouldn't even have an opinion around what happens to women's body? To me, that's a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very slippery slope. Because I think if that's the case, right, if someone, you know, believes that, um, I think that can be broken down into, well, is that goes down to racially? Should white people be making decisions about black people's lives, vice versa? I, I think that's a real slippery slope to me. Um, is that, is, what are your thoughts on men, and particularly white men, making decisions about women's body, what happens, what don't happens. Um, should they? Are men qualified? Is it the qualifications based on sex slash gender identity? What are your thoughts on that? And we didn't get into this last time. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I'm real curious about your thoughts on, on that um, particular uh, question. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, when we think about pregnancy and people who had a capacity to become pregnant, that includes trans men and non-binary folks. So just that statement in and of itself discounts, you know, those folks who are able to become pregnant. So when okay. you say like simple like men, you know, right. like let's just get more specific. Okay, this is what I'm saying. Okay, so like white cis men, and you know, this comes up a lot because the people who are in office, legislators at the state level, thinking about at the federal level, these tend to be these cis heterosexual white men. Mm -hmm. And so in that context, you know, again, thinking specifically, I think the specificity is necessary. Then it is saying, like, when we think about this larger legacy, dating back to chattel slavery, also in thinking about what happened to indigenous folks and the reproductive oppression that they experienced. There was cis heterosexual white men making those decisions. And so when we, you know, fast forward to today, it is saying that, like, no, you don't get to decide. And also, like, it's still a part of patriarchy, but just to uplift. I saw an email from Marsha Blackburn today who said, oh, I'm so excited that this happened. Mm -hmm. So just to say, you know, like, 
if we take it out of like kind of like the people and like these systems that right. you know people are upholding and perpetuating, mm -hmm. that makes it clear because okay. you know there are folks like again you would think like oh okay you know let's say a woman a person who has capacity to become pregnant some of them say some very awful things again it's still a part of patriarchy it's still this larger system mm -hmm. that is what's like kind of coming in and saying that like we get to control and get to exert power mm -hmm. and we should always think about it in that way uh because then we end up putting people into office right, right. who then uh take anti-abortion stances right and so it's more than identity with okay. this yeah okay now that's that's i'm glad you broke that down again i'm learning and so whenever I say anything wrong, <laughs> correct me, as y'all see she going to do. Because, <laughs> and, and, and this is the thing, this is the thing um, in, in my conversations. It's, it's so many terminologies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's, and, if you, and depending on your proximity to that community or a mm -hmm. community, you may know some, you may not know any. And so feel free, please mm -hmm. let me know. Because I'm again, I'm a straight black man, and so my 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 verbiage mm -hmm. is kind of you know it's gonna, it's gonna be yeah, that. Yeah, so I'm just saying I'm learning. So I don't want, look. This is a brave space. So I'm just hey, I'm saying what I need to say uh, to try to convey the point. Uh, but like, feel free to break those things down, nuances down, and so everybody is included and respected. Um. So I um. <laughs> this is guy Matt Welsh. Matt Wash. Matt Welsh. His name is Matt Welsh. Mm. Um, he came out with a documentary that I actually had a guest that was a part of. Mm -hmm. Did not know it. Mm -hmm. And this documentary is called What is a Woman? Mm -hmm. And you can, you can, he, he clearly has an agenda or a point that he's trying to make um, with the documentary, right? Mm -hmm. Around trends, around the gay community around figuring out what is a woman mm -hmm. what does that mean to women mm -hmm. and people who identify those who identify as a woman um after watching it one thing i came out clear about mm -hmm. that it it seems to be no unity, I would say. There seems to be no unity around terminology and what that means. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, the word women, the word woman means something different. I've come to learn from that documentary and then conversations I've had to different people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Which to me was like kind of alarming a little bit. Um, because when I think of language, especially in a social justice kind of perspective, um, it's clear to, to understand that we all kind of, when we use the same language, we mean the same thing mm -hmm. in a way. All right. Mm -hmm. And that, it seems like that's not the case. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's an umbrella term. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which I think is, which is fine. But also, I think it could be dependence who's using it can be can be helpful or harmful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is there, especially we talking about reproductive justice, and you brought it up as far as hey, we don't want to exclude anybody that might be considered in this. Um, what is a woman to you? Mm -hmm. um, that's the question. 
Mm-hmm. What is a woman to you, and what does that mean to reproductive justice? Um, to if you can break that down for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, like you know, my position as a black woman, like going back to what you said, it's right. going to differ right. uh, depending on people, uh, depending on like your race. It a lot. Of, there are a lot of uh, a lot of, a lot of other things that come into play, but. When I think about, like, being a woman, it's not like the, like, you know, just, again, the things that, you know, we've been thought to believe, like, you know, especially with this binary. And I talked mm-hmm. about last time, like, I know for uh, folks of, you know, back in the 40s and 50s, uh, well, th- that's at least what we, you know, kind of come to believe, talking to our grandparents, that, like, being a woman meant taking care of kids, mm-hmm. uh, having kids, you know, taking care of the house. And then, you know, I, like, share that black women never, you know, have had the luxury, uh, for the most part, right. of, like, just staying in the house. They've had to work. Right. And in a lot of ways, like, thinking back to child slavery, black women weren't not only were they not considered to be like women, they also weren't, you know, we weren't considered to be human. Right. So I think just to say that, like, as a black woman, it, it, the question is uh, very complicated mm-hmm. because, you know, that is my lineage, you know, of the ancestors in my family, right. like, they were not considered women. Right. And so I, I think about, I guess, like, gender and, like, thinking about, like, woman, um, in its relationship to like larger systems. Mm-hmm. Like I think, you know, like for me, um, being like when I think about being a woman, some of it's like, you know, things that my mom taught me, my grandmother taught me. And um and there's something also in that too, like especially as a black feminist that I've had to like kind of like challenge folks around being a woman, like, oh I can do these things too. I can go to school too. Um and so if like I guess around this piece of like reproduction and mm-hmm. like having the capacity to reproduce, and you know you you know kind of already said it like even in like being inclusive, like there are women I knew someone who was in my church like she couldn't have children that were you know there was just something right. wrong uh, with her uh, I believe it was her ovaries, mm-hmm. and so so just to say because I think a lot of folks you know, that I've kind of read about or just experienced, you know, who've not been able to have children. And that was very much so like, like children was tied to being a woman. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it is. And some of that, again, going back to like, you know, all women can't reproduce and also some women don't want to. Right. And so um, there, I guess there's something in like the definition, like, you know, like you can define it for yourself. I agree. Like, you know, as far as I like come into like this common understanding of like, what is a woman mm-hmm. and you ask different people, it means different things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, like I don't wear makeup and, you know, stuff. Right. I mean, sometimes I do, but um, I don't know. I think uh, for me, it's just, it's very open, you know, mm-hmm. for me. So it's not like a static, you know, definition for myself. Right. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. So, like, that's just kind of, like, how I'm thinking about it. Um, yeah, Because, sure. like, I don't want to be tied to, like, you know, just the traditional notions of what right. it means to be a woman. Mm-hmm. I want us to um, kind of pivot back to the Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that bands are coming. Mm-hmm. Some have already been in effect. Um, I I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, in Tennessee, there's like a 30-day grace mm-hmm. period. Like once it's in effect, people have 30 days to get abortions b- before it becomes illegal mm-hmm. in the state of Tennessee. Um, what 
should be the next steps um, after Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. And then um, I remember in the beginning, like I said, I had this question I want to ask you because I'm. I, what you said in our first conversation about resources mm-hmm. really, like, it really hit me. It really mm-hmm. hit me. And so um, what should be the next steps uh, for community um, around the Roe v. Wade? Mm-hmm. Well, first I want to provide some context uh, because, one, like, Supreme Court decisions and this decision, it's over 200 pages, right? right. And it'll probably probably be difficult to understand without, like, a deep knowledge of law and uh, different uh, forms of law and cases uh, that they reference. So one thing I want to point out, and I wrote this down, um, and our uh, the policy folks at Healthy and Free Tennessee put uh, an analysis together. Okay. Um, but one thing that they established with this decision, like, you know, one is like, you know, t- pushing it back to the states. And I'll talk about that in a second because, like, yes, that's what they said. And also uh, there's been conversations around if Republicans win – um, the midterms, like they're trying to push for a national, a nationwide ban. So mm. when we think about states like, oh, California, New York, and you know, like sometimes it's kind of being framed. And I tweeted this yesterday, like as a southern problem, it's not. Right. Um, and also, like there's a um, other things in the work as a part of like a more like fuller strategy. Right. Um, so one thing that they established with this decision is a new test. Uh, for evaluating state abortion laws called the Rational Basis Review. And so this requires that the court examines if the legislature could have had a rational basis for the law that serve a legitimate state interest. And so going along with that, it's like, okay, if it's this type of ban, and going back to like the case that they heard was uh, in reference to a 15-week abortion ban in Mississippi that, you know, got challenged and made its way all the way to the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. And so with this, it's saying that, like, the court um, is establishing that when it comes to this Mississippi 15-week ban, the state had a legitimate interest uh, in uh, pushing for such a ban. Okay. And so what this means, it's very concerning, and it's concerning for a place like Tennessee, um, especially as, you know, there are so many, of course, uh, anti-abortion restrictions already on the books, mm-hmm. but then also the trigger ban. So one thing I kind of, like, realized yesterday as I was reading this article in the Tennessean, yes, that's the trigger ban, and, you know, like, the 30-day period is true, and also... When, when um, abortion bans have been um, signed into law, and this, you know, this is a part of the strategy that got us here. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure, they knew that these bans at the time they were, you know, unconstitutional, and they were tied up in these like legal fights. Mm-hmm. And so, when like a bill is about to uh, a law is uh, going to be challenged in the court what lawyers do um, they you know kind of like push for do a motion to get an injunction to stop it from like going into uh, effect and that's right. what was so interesting about Texas last year because they were trying to get an injunction that's you know people for sure knew last year like, okay the Supreme Court is likely going to turn over uh, overturn Roe v. Wade because they did not like they let the bill go into effect and they did nothing mm-hmm. in Texas and so I say all this because 30 days is probably going to be sooner because yesterday the Attorney General 
filed an emergency motion to basically say we need to like like lift these injunctions. Right. There are two bills that they're trying to do this around. So in 2020, Governor Bill Lee, when the pandemic first popped off, uh, signed into law this 6 8 12, et cetera, it starts at six weeks and goes up to 24-week abortion ban. Um, they included some other, like, harmful things. And so they, so again, right now, since it's still, it was going through the courts, right. um, they had an injunction, so it's not in effect right now, but they want to, like, let it go into effect. Right. Um, and so that's the one that is extremely concerning because, again, there are other things um, that were tied to it. And there's another bill, and again, so many, I have to write them down. No, no. Um, there's another uh, lawsuit um, that is around the abortion reversal pill. Um, so that's something, again, that, you know, the legislature passed. Uh, Governor Bill Lee was trying to sign it into law, and it was deemed unconstitutional. So okay. this is to, like, give, you know, false information around, you know, reversing on abortion. Right. But again... Um, that's concerning, and it's also this other uh, bill that, like, again, that was supposed to be law that's concerning because if that injunction is removed, the six-week ban goes into effect. And I was talking about this with a friend yesterday, like, six weeks, it's just not, it's such a narrow window. Right. And I was like, you know, saw this on Twitter today, and a person was saying, like, and that's kind of what's happening with a lot of things, because we don't have comprehensive sex ed in schools, thinking about like how pregnancies work, people are like, oh, this is really how it works? Right. And so, you know, I was explaining to a friend yesterday, so like if you miss your period in May, May 15th, I'm making something up, right? And you know, like it comes this month and you're like, oh, you know, maybe I'm just late. When you go to a clinic or you take a pregnancy test, you're pregnant. Right. And you might be like, oh, you know, my period was, a, you know, maybe a week late. So maybe it's, I'm counting back to when my period is supposed to be. No, that's not how they determine pregnancy. Mm. It's the first day of your last menstrual cycle. So, no, you're actually, what is it now? If May 15th, we passed June 15th. Right. Now you're what? five weeks pregnant, going into six weeks. And so if mm. you go try and get an abortion, and again, you can't just go into the clinic and get an abortion. Right. Tennessee also has a 48-hour waiting period. So you have two appointments. Wow. And also, they could be booked up, you know? Right. Like, there are not a lot of clinics in Tennessee. Right. So you can see how someone just realized that they missed their period, or even that, maybe you right. thought you had a light period, or who knows what could happen, and they missed that six-week period. And so just to say that if that law goes into effect, like abortion, like, again, we it's not even 30 days yet. Like, right. if that goes into effect next week, the week after, you can see now that, like, it's it immediately, yeah, yeah, effectively, it will already be a ban. So I know it's a lot, but just, no, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. like, that, those are little things that they don't want you to know or they don't want you to be clear about, mm -hmm. right? They just say everybody, it's easy to digest thirty days, mm -hmm. right? And then, but it's hard to know or if you're not again, you're not studying it, you're not in mm -hmm. it every day. Mm -hmm. Those other little laws yeah. that they're trying to put into place, yeah. you know, um, could could just be fly right by you. Okay, so I had this thought mm -hmm. after I, after we had this conversation. Uh, the first time around reprodu reproductive justice mm -hmm. and what that means 
um, and why abortion should, you know, be part of health care, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody should have access to them, mm-hmm. right? And so when I um, when I seen this um, overturning a Roe v. Wade yesterday, mm-hmm. I, th- I immediately thought about to our conversation, <laughs> and I thought about now, okay, if they're gonna do this, mm-hmm. if they if this and this will be you know every state to make up their mind, you know, mm-hmm. but if they're gonna do this. There needs to be immediate services to women mm-hmm. to ensure that they can have the best pregnancy. They should do this already in general. Mm-hmm. But now if you're going to force women to have babies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that they don't want to have, for whatever reason it might be, um, there need to be resources, whether it's financial, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, uh Similac, diapers, an <laughs> yeah. environment, whatever they need, right, in order to be as comfortable as possible and healthy as possible to have a healthy baby, mm-hmm. right? Because um, going back to our conversation last time, a lot of those reasons, the lack of those things is why many people, many women have abortions, mm-hmm. right? And so do you believe... <laughs> That will happen, um, and how can we make something like that happen if they're going to enforce an abortion ban, specifically in a place like Tennessee where we live, mm-hmm. um, to give women the support that they that they always needed and should always have, but definitely more so now if they're going to mm-hmm. force women to have babies in the state of Tennessee? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely not. They not like there is no reason they have to, and there's no indication that they're not. And so, I saw a lot of tweets around this, like now, but even like last month with the formula shortage. There are a lot of things that people wanted to be again, quote unquote, pro life or care about children and wanna ensure that they have the resources. They would have been done that. Right. We don't have any type of child care. No universal child care for folks. People are having a hard time getting child care to like work and do other things. Also, with, uh, with parental leave, you know, U.S., the U.S. does not have like any type of anything federally to ensure that people can take time off of work, uh, you know, if they're pregnant, you know, maternity leave and also like other folks Mm -hmm. uh, being able to like guarantee that and guarantee that it's paid. Mm -hmm. There's nothing like that in the U.S. Like, yeah, different states might have done things, you know, for their uh, employees, but the Mm -hmm. U.S. like falls all the way behind. Like in the class that I uh, co-taught this past semester, like literally like one of the students, I put up a chart, all these different countries and U.S. is at the bottom with zero mm. weeks off that's paid for people who've, you know, just, you know, had a, a, a child. Mm. And so it's all these other things that kind of like let us know that no, none of this is like going to happen. Tennessee decided, you know, years ago that they were not going to expand Medicaid. Right. Well, 50 percent of births in Tennessee are covered by Medicaid. They also do not want to ensure access to doulas. It's all these other things mm-hmm. that, you know, again, if even if they're like, okay, we know we're going to do this, we're going to prepare and make sure these things are in place. No, they're mm-hmm. not going to do it, especially they're not going to do it for black people. Right. You know, that's just honest. Right. Uh, it's like, you know, 
Black people are often disproportionately impacted by all of these things, childcare, access to jobs, housing. Mm -hmm. Like think about a place like Nashville and all these other places when with inflation and no one can really afford to live. And so that's just to say, no, there will not be any resources. And I think folks are saying, some people are saying like that's the irony in it, and I'm. It's, I don't think it's necessarily irony. It's just like yeah, like there's. That's how you know it's about power and control. Right. They don't care about babies. They don't care about women. Right. You know, it's not caring about uh, these people. It's about control and power. Um, and the legislators at the federal level to do whatever they want to mm-hmm. do. And so no, um, they're not going to ensure any resources. What was kind of um, amazing to me is. Um our religious brothers and sisters out there, um, in particular, you know, our Christian brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. um, who used yesterday, you know, many of them mm-hmm. to, you know, quote their biblical, you know, scriptures and kind of say, hey, this is not what Jesus would have wanted. This is not what God would have wanted. Therefore, this is the right decision. Pretty much projecting their religious beliefs on others, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's what I think that's what that would be called, um, and they identify as pro life, um, which is kind to to me kind of amazing that um, that control piece of it, mm-hmm. but like why can't I? Like have my choice to what I want to do with my body, and you have your choice not to get that because of your own, you know, religious beliefs. That kind of blows my mind um, sometimes about the religious components we try to add into our policy decisions or thought behind why policy goes into place or laws going to place. Especially when it's supposed to be a you know you know separate church and state you know that's what it's supposed to be, but how people just you know can't understand that if I have a choice and you have a choice we both get what we want, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You can have your your child if you want, and regardless of the situation, you have the child. But I might be going through a different circumstance um, in my life at a particular time. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, this is not the right particular time for me to have a child. Mm-hmm. What's the problem with that? Mm-hmm. And I just wonder if people that have that belief or have to carry on the religious belief into things like that, if they reflect on the on that and like, hey, you don't have to project that on me or anybody else in order for you to feel good, mm-hmm, in a sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I wonder, I want to ask you, I wonder how much of our decision makers' personal religious beliefs um, play a part in some of the things that we we are seeing happening and probably going to continue to see happening politically going into 2024. you know, Trump was just here like a week, week Mm -hmm. ago at like a Christian, conservative Christian conference thing. And so it seems like a lot of these things are or can be driven by people's own personal beliefs that they're projecting on us. To f- and, 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 and unfortunately, it goes into policy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, one thing I will say, these same folks, they're like 
children, wives, whoever get abortions, and also their mistresses, mistresses get abortions. So, like, folks who, like, claim to be, like, you know, staunchly Christian, fundamentalist Christian, they've accessed abortion, too. So just want to say that. So there's very much so hypocrisy there. And I was on a panel last week, and we were talking about, like, faith and reproductive justice, and mm -hmm. I was sharing that, like, Again, that's like the right that has like told us that they're antithetical. Like either you're a person of faith or you're a person who supports reproductive justice. Mm -hmm. And there are folks for sure, people who started reproductive justice are people uh, um, like of faith. Right. Um, and like spirituality and faith is just so much a part of reproductive justice work. So again, going back to those false binaries, that's another false binary. Um, but even like going into like what's happening now, and some of this, I think on one hand, there are very much so folks who are like, well, the Bible says this, and you know, for sure, ignoring like the teachings of Jesus, no compassion, right? And on the other hand, I think about how religion is used as a tool. Mm -hmm. So going back to what I said about like, you know, how do we even get in this situation to mm -hmm. begin with? People like Ronald Reagan, George uh, Bush Sr. Mm -hmm. supported abortion back in the late 60s, early 70s, and how Paul Weirich and other Republican political strategists kind of came together because there was this issue, right, mm -hmm. in the South of desegregation of schools. And there was a university, this uh, religious university, Bob Jones University, and the white folks, they did not want to admit black people, and that's just what was honest. But mm -hmm. since they were nonprofits, they were going to be subjected to lose their nonprofit tax status. Mm -hmm. And so, it, you know, in the wake of, you know, coming out of, like, uh, the civil rights movement, they knew they had to shift. And so it's like, okay, we can't hourly be racist. Right. So what is an issue that's going to really, in uh, a wonderful documentary, uh, Reverse and Roll on Netflix, kind of like outlines this. And so it's like, what is an issue that's going to like pull at people's heartstrings? And here at Evangelicals, they have not been really organized as like a voting block. Like they're not really voting. We need to get them to vote. So let's use abortion. Mm -hmm. And so just to say, even then, so this really kind of um, came to be in 1979, and we see the election of Ronald Reagan is like solidifying the rise of the right. And again, you could just see clips like in this documentary, like Reagan saying, oh, like, yeah, people do need uh, choices and reproductive health care. And a few years later, oh, abortion X, Y, and Z is right. a sin. And so again, like that is used as a tool. Mm -hmm. And because it's used as a tool, like, and I was having a conversation with Isaiah last night, we were talking about how, like, the manipulation can very much so, like, happen. Mm -hmm. And so those folks who, like, you know, are churchgoers and, you know, like, oh, well, God, you know, says this, X, Y, and Z, because it's these folks who are in power, like mm -hmm. these pastors, X, Y, and Z of these churches, like they lead folks to believe like these lies. Right. So like, you know, it is the pastors, the preachers, the ministers who like, you know, they targeted to get their churches to like vote mm -hmm. and, you know, start talking about abortion more so. Mm -hmm. And so again, like, you know, there's years in the making. And one thing uh, when I taught this class and we were watching this documentary, they were seeing these folks, who Christians, bombing clinics, mm. killing, killing, murdering abortion providers. That's, a, so, that's called abortion terrorism. Uh-huh. Yeah. And <laughs> that's so, what that is. And yeah. so, again, but going back to, like, 
preservation of you know all these different things and mm-hmm. the quote unquote sanctity of life. Right. Okay, so you know what, bumming a clinic, yeah. harassing people outside of Planned Parenthood and other clinics, and right. I know you talked about that last time. Mm-hmm. Just just go down there yeah. and you see people outside. And mm-hmm. one thing, um, I was a part of a conversation yesterday, and um someone from a news outlet, you know, was talking about like being down at Planned Parenthood and someone was saying, Yep, yay, Roe v. Wade is overturned and we hope people get punished. Punished if they try to like if you know right. get an abortion, abortion is uh, a part of the conversation. And again, like, hmm, how is that a part of the Christian morals and values? That's very, you know, American. That's all <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah. it is. It's everything centered around harm and punishment. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so I know there's been protests. Mm-hmm. There's probably gonna be more protests mm-hmm. um, from a community organizing standpoint. Uh, what should organizers be doing that live in states, or even not live in states, but more specifically live in states uh, that these bans were going to going to affect either immediately or you know in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, to be figuring out how to combat this, how to still give support around those who want to seek abortions. Um, what could be done at mm. this point? Um, and to build solidarity as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, kind of, I would say like the starting point, in my yeah. opinion, is like a strategy. Okay. Because, you know, and I've been in repro since, you know, essentially became passionate about reproductive justice when I was, like, still a student at Vanderbilt. So it's been some years now, and I've seen, like, how, you know, our strategy wasn't the best. It was just a federal strategy. They didn't invest in, like, the local state levels. And meanwhile, soft conservatives take over these state legislatures. And so it's not even, like, necessarily a strategy for abortion. It's a larger strategy to shift to a different society that includes all of these other things. Because Mm -hmm. if we just so zero focus on let's say abortion we're missing like these attacks on trans youth and these other things that are going on um that needs to be a part of a larger strategy as well Mm -hmm. um and so this also includes like you know, and I talk so much about reproductive justice, but if we really like use it as a framework and other frameworks and that inform like a deeper analysis of systems mm-hmm. like capitalism, like patriarchy, white supremacy, uh, we would move in different ways. And like, you know, I was saying the example of like, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, like, let's just select more women and that's going to solve everything. It's like, okay, again, like, if this person doesn't support reproductive, comprehensive reproductive health care, right. then what position are we in now? Right. Um, so I think that that's the only thing that will get us out of this. It's okay. like, you know, a really good strategy that, again, is like thinking about what a liberatory society looks like. Right. Um, and so that's like the first piece. But I would say kind of like as far as the practical support, like even in Tennessee, like there are funds, um, abortion funds that exist. So Abortion Care for Tennessee, the Healthy and Free Tennessee helped to start um, Mountain Access Brigade in East Tennessee. And so like funds have resources um, that organizers can connect community members to. Okay. Um, because, you know, sadly, as, you know, this decision came and people were kind of shuffling, um, folks are kind of forgetting, you know, that there are resources 
resources that people have been thinking about this for a while and mm-hmm. kind of connecting people to that. And yeah. also, there are some things that, you know, I don't think a lot of people could probably even talk about right now since, like, this decision came. Like, obviously, supporting a person, like, trying to access a, an abortion, right now, it might not be, I guess, maybe on people's mind, like, the risk, but, like, in months, you know, to come, especially, right. you know, this guy outside of the clinic yesterday talked about punishment. They are going to criminalize people. They're going to criminalize people. We've already seen it, right. especially like in Tennessee, you know, cases of like women, you know, being initially charged with murder for like self-managed abortions. Right. And so we'll see that increase. Mm. Um, so kind of with that again like understanding that risk and ensuring that we're keeping folks safe and also like seeing the that criminalization uh, piece of it as well and so folks have talked about you know maybe shifting bail funds or maybe like establishing bail funds people also get sued so like having you know people talk about movement lawyering all the time so having lawyers who can like support this but I would say first and foremost like that's just kind of a bunch of stuff that needs to happen we need to ensure that like communities understand like you know kind of what what they can do now. Um, like, you know, people have already have uh, appointments scheduled and, you know, trying to see what's next. Mm-hmm. You know, connect with these funds. Think about the different resources that are out there. There are a lot of things, um, you know, just like toolkits that people have uh, put together. So it's kind of really informing people what their options are because we w- don't want um, is people to kind of get caught up in these situations where let's say they you know try to self-manage their abortion and they go to a hospital like mm-hmm. we saw that happen in texas and other places mm-hmm. and then that leads to an arrest right. and so um they're like you know self-managed abortion trainers um that folks are doing to ensure that people know how to talk about this mm-hmm. and like just like really think about the resources and ensuring that communities know about these resources um our, our district attorney here in Nashville, um, Glenn Funk, has you know came out and made a statement like, "Hey, he's not going to prosecute those mm-hmm. um, doctors, patients that you know seek abortions." Um, so we kind of you know kind of kind of kind of blessed in that way in, in Nashville. I, I I suppose that we have a district attorney that says he won't prosecute those seeking abortions or those who get abortions. Um what does what does that mean to the to, to the reproductive justice community? Um and I guess how effective can he really be in that? You know, especially when I know like the general attorney and, and all that is already especially in Nashville, they already got a target on us anyway mm-hmm. at the state level. Mm-hmm. But uh what does that what does that mean for Nashvilleans? And other other cities they might have, you know, "Quote unquote progressive DAs that you know won't won't prosecute." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say in Tennessee, and just kind of what you just said, I'm not sure like how effective it will be because right. yes, the attorney general said yeah. that you know it, you know he would come in and prosecute the cases that district attorneys like refuse to like prosecute and also work to replace them, mm-hmm. and so. I, yeah, I'm just not sure, like, how effective, you know, that would be. I think there are, like, other things that, like, kind of even going beyond district attorneys. And some of this, again, it's like, you know, there's, like, a legal piece to it. And that's Mm -hmm. why I mentioned movement lawyers to kind of see, like, okay, like, what 
you know, maybe this is not the route because, like, if the attorney general steps in, but what else could be possible legally so people aren't, you know, subjected to, like, jail and prison time? Right. Um, so, so yeah, so, like, maybe in other states, but, again, maybe in other states, like, again, like, the California or right. Illinois, they have protections right. uh, for abortion, so they probably, you know, don't even have to worry about that right now. Right now, yeah. Right now, but, uh, but like I said, uh, how I started this conversation now, off, they are trying to, like, do a nationwide abortion mm. ban um so you know we'll see and if that's the case that states like california and new york they will have matter. to yeah 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 they will have to do something on the state level to kind of like go against that um so yeah i'm not um totally sure like with how effective district attorneys can could be um, and maybe they're, you know, maybe something I'm missing, but, you know, right. I think that is really concerning that the attorney general is like, oh, I'm going to step in and, and right. do the prosecution myself. And so um, I've been reflecting on this word a lot lately, which is urgency. Mm-hmm. Um, there's There are many crises and, you know. Politically, they're not even trying to hide, I feel like, like some of their, with their, their agendas. They're not even hiding. They're saying, mm-hmm. hey, this is what we're trying to do. This is what we want to do. And this is what we're going to, like, to do to yeah. make this it is, happen. Yeah, this is how we're going to yeah, do it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is alarming um, on so many levels. Um, rooted in, you know, structural racism, white supremacy, and so many other things that historically just, you know, are perpetuated in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, through our communities. And when I was looking at the protests, like, you know, mm-hmm. yesterday, um, I said, well, you know, that can't, that's not going to be enough, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's good for, for mass communication and making people aware who may not be aware and dramatizing the issue. But at some point, um, just as extreme as certain individuals in our political sphere are going Mm -hmm. to create culture and create harm. Um, Organizers, activists, people that care are going to have to respond differently Mm -hmm. at some point um, in order to actually stop these things from happening. Um, What are your thoughts on what other things must take place or may have to take place in order for our government at a federal, state, local level to really understand and realize that we're not just going to sit by Mm -hmm. and, like, take this being done right in front of our face. Um, So many targets are put on people's back. It's a a target on women's back. It always has been. Um, It's a different target for black women. That's a bigger target. Mm-hmm. Um, just the anti-blackness in general. Um, the gay community has a target on their back. You know, um, housing crises. You know, livable wage crises is like poor folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I am seeing is um, we always say, hey, the time is now. It's urgent, right? Mm-hmm. But our urgency is looking a little different than their urgency because <laughs> they being super urgent, right? They ain't. Pl- and so, and I feel like our urgency is just are, are, are the same tactics that we have been doing 
when something harmful is being done to community um, and to a marginalized community mm-hmm. as well. Um, so, so what does urgency look like for you and specifically around reproductive justice and what are we going to have to really do mm-hmm. um, that goes past protesting at the plaza um, here in Nashville or past just tweets and, you know, sharing information like what are we going to have to do as like people power to say, all right, you know, enough is enough at this point. Um, which is a could be a very difficult conversation to have and idea to really wrap your mind around, depending on the type of person you are. Because, and I and I try to say this all the time, you know, no liberation has ever been been won without some type of physical fight. Mm-hmm. Like no liberation has been given dip, dip, uh, diplomatically to oppress people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's hard for a lot of people to swallow, I'm sure, because that ain't for everybody. Um, and it doesn't have to be for everybody, but it has to be, I believe, some community realizes, like, okay, mm-hmm. like, there has to be another a level to what we're doing. Like, there has been different levels to what they're doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One, I will say... Um, and that was a long soliloquy, yeah. so I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> y'all know y'all came here to listen to... Rihanna, not me. <laughs> uh, one thing I would say, um, especially with the right, like I think a lot of these things feel urgent now, but they've been building for years, mm-hmm. for decades, for generations. And also there's some things more so on their side, like they got way more money. Um, resources. Yeah, yeah, like lots of resources. Yeah. Uh, the military, all the things, you know, in, in their favor that they can use uh, at their disposal. Which, which they always will have. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Like, until, unless something happens, they always will have that advantage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what we have, well, you know, because I, I think I think about urgency a little differently now, especially okay. maybe starting since 2020. But, okay. you know, we don't have that much time, you know, left to, like, even think about what the planet, right? Mm. And, like... Uh, and climate change, uh, global warming. So we don't, we just don't have time on our side. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we do have, and I think a lot about labor actually with this because what, like the system that we're under, you know, racial capitalism, racial monopoly capitalism. And I think about like the power of workers though in a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of this, you know, we've seen like, you know, like, you know, the, union organizing the Amazon and how that shifted things. But also like, you know, if we like if there were like labor strikes, if people like shut down work and like the point production. Yes, yes, you know, I think that would definitely, you know, cause a lot of different shifts. And again, like, you know, strategy is a part of that. Like it mm-hmm. has to be, you know, very organized and people have to know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so I bring that up because, like, going back to what you said, like, the tactics. And, you know, like, I first came into moving with BLM, you know. But even back then, though, I will say with BLM, they, we would, people were shutting down streets or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's another thing. And I saw this on Twitter. Somebody was like, if your protest is, the oppressor approves of your protest, maybe you need to rethink this. Mm-hmm. And so, like, a lot of actions today, you know, I think some people have gotten it together. Like, oh, okay, let's not invite police no more. Right. Like, you know, like, it's like a whole cute little thing. But, you know, I think people should always, you know, have the ability to do actions. I think we have to think about them in a different way, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. It also, too, like, one thing I think about, and, you know, saw this in 2020, you know, there were a lot of actions. And, like, there's, you know, 
have those people been sustained in movement? Because we need people in movement and, like, you know, people to understand that it's not, it's a lot of hard work and it's right. beyond, like, actions. Right. So I think that, like, other, I guess, some things that, like, some tactics that, like, we've used in the past that, like, I think sometimes it's like, oh, you know, like, it's not going to work, especially things around labor. But I think we should revisit some of those things because I think those things will, like, have the biggest impact. Like, it will be really felt. Mm -hmm. And I think conditions are changing. Like, we already saw what Clarence Thomas said, you know, um, contraception or, you know, thinking about um, – um, you know, just other Supreme Court decisions that they mm -hmm. need to revisit. Um, so that's just a show that, like, it's only getting worse. Like, conditions right. are getting worse. We're moving towards fascism. Right. And we do need to rethink things. And also, and, you know, I could just hear Dizel in my head now, like, about, like, like self-defense and people like we do need to be training yeah. going back to like they have all these things on their side and we need to think about that just to protect ourselves right. and so like going back to what i was saying in the 90s they were bombing clinics even thinking about just on a repro level they were right. killing people that is what we're okay. facing yeah, yeah. And, and and my thing is and, and I talked to Zen about like this whole <laughs> self defense, mm -hmm. and I like to believe in offense. <laughs> <laughs> I don't always want to be have to be reactionary, reactionary like, you know, because yeah. I might you might hit me, I might not get back up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> defense don't help you then, and self defense don't help you. And so, um, and so I would I would like us as community and people that are trying to build community power, people power, and combat these. Uh, these crises to really be thinking about offense mm -hmm. um, and not have to have a decision like this mm -hmm. be made for us to be reactionary um, because again they're planning and then you know they already know okay once this happened this is how you know we might be planning and you know everything don't have to come with a you know um, a news news uh, news release People don't have to know that we're gonna take action, right? You don't mm -hmm. have to, you know, you don't have to be. You don't gotta be on Twitter. To, yeah, with you don't have to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to be, and so, um, I would like, like, I would like for us to catch them off guard, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you know, um, because they just put it in our face, and then it's like, oh man, okay, it might not happen, it might, and then it happens, and then we react. And so I'm always thinking about that around mm -hmm. how can we be how can we be more strategically tactic and what we do to combat these things because like you said we don't we don't have a lot of time um, and time is not on our side and they and they have the advantage of, of resources but we have the advantage of, of people power yeah people power exactly right? and if exactly. people just stop participating in things that perpetuate harm you know I think that's the first step but. That's, that can be a huge impactful step, mm -hmm. but, you know, these social constructs that we are under, uh, I think, prevent a lot of people from putting both feet in. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, losing jobs, you know, lo just losing whatever, you know, um, monies they have coming in to provide for their family. Yeah. And it's very uncomfortable, mm -hmm. you know. Um, mm -hmm. You know, revolutionary community organizing that work is not like if you that is not comfortable work you're not living lavish especially if you mm -hmm. in the fight right it's a war going i look at it as a war going on outside mm -hmm. and wars are not clean and and and, and polished they mm -hmm. messy and dirty and mm -hmm. grimy and grit mm -hmm. um and i think people should really wrap their their heads around that yeah um, yeah yeah and people have to believe that they are capable of 
capable of social change. I think that's a big piece. And mm-hmm. um, one group calls it like, you know, protagonism. So like being the author of like our fates mm-hmm. and knowing that like by our participation, going back to the people power, because I think right now, you know, this is just all day on social media. That's why y'all should vote. And not saying that people shouldn't, but it's mm-hmm. like putting voting within a larger context. This right. is a tactic that's a part of something larger. Because mm-hmm. I think folks are like, well, I vote and that's it, you know, right. or, I, or I give to this organization, that's right. it. It's like, no, we need all of our power. Right. Um, to like go fight against that. the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Be because mm-hmm. I'll tell you, like voting is a part of the system. It is what it is. It's a it's a part of the system, especially for black folks. You know, uh <laughs> you know, I don't think we have benefited from the electoral diplomatic voting process as people may have thought we were. Oh, I just messed that up. Bring it back. Yeah, I just kicked the I just kicked the camera, y'all. Um <laughs> And so, yeah, but um, I'm always amazed when 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 we talk, uh, Brianna, because you just have I always have my 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 mind spinning, and I'm always learning something new. But I'm always messing something up too. <laughs> <That's> okay, we're <laughs> all, all learning. Yeah, we all learning. <laughs> and so, I really appreciate you, um, you know, stopping by again and breaking that breaking this down and really giving people stuff to reflect on. And so as always, you know, I want to I want to give you the last word to really touch on anything that we might then touch upon, or you want to go a little deeper in, mm-hmm. a little more around reproductive justice, Roe v. Wade, and what that means, um, and for people to 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 really hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just one thing, and I think this is clear, but just to further stress, like this is serious. Again, going back to, and sometimes I think about like my mom was born in 1970, so three years before this decision, but it's something, you know, especially like millennials, something, you know, like, uh, something happened, okay, I just, you know, I know that's an option. And it's not, it is not. And like, I think a lot of folks, you know, in over the past 10 or so years when this, was really like, this is a possibility. People were just couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. And so one thing, you know, it also might be clear, if they will do this, they will roll back all these things. And also like, you know, the Supreme Court shouldn't exist in the first place, you know, so, but that's another conversation. But, you know, not to be like down about things, but, these are serious things we're navigating. These are intense conditions, mm-hmm. and we can't, you know, let pessimism take over mm-hmm. because it's so dire. Um, that's kind of the first, one of the first things, like, it's, I joined the organization, I learned, like, pushing back against pessimism. Mm-hmm. And I think about what Mary Kaba uh, says about hope and it being a discipline. And that actually took time to go and look at, uh, read through the excerpt from the interview where she talked about hope. And she said, it's something that you constantly are practicing. You're mm-hmm. waking up and you're saying like, you know, I'm going to choose to fight in the midst of so much turmoil and the midst of so much oppression. I'm going to choose to have hope because mm-hmm. I know that it's going to get us through to liberation. Right. Um, so that's one thing I want to up with because I know it just feels so overwhelming and like it's just easy to, to tap out. But this is really the, the point to kind of really come in and, and dig deeper. Uh, because again, things are unfortunately going to get become more intense, but we do have people power and we can really build, mm. in my opinion. 
if people want to learn more about uh, reproductive justice, Roe v. Wade, um, and just be informed, mm-hmm. um, how can they reach out to you and the resources that you have or um, know have access to? Um, how can they contact you if they want to help build, volunteer, all mm-hmm. those things? Mm-hmm. As far as I'll start with like what's happening and you know kind of even thinking about it in the instagram Mm -hmm. um like graphic uh definitely follow healthy and free tennessee so healthy and free tennessee on facebook healthy free tn instagram and twitter like there are different graphics that uh they're putting out like every day uh talking about like what's you know been happening what's currently happening what does all this means giving updates too. I also, you know, want folks to follow like the abortion funds in Tennessee. Like our, you know, shout out abortion care for Tennessee and also Mount Access Brigade. And um, to find me, I'm connected, you know, still to healthy and free. So go on to our website and we just have like all of these different things. Um, I definitely would encourage people to check out Sister Song um, to learn more about reproductive justice and, you know, how it's different from reproductive rights and what this means for, like, other social justice issues as we think about abortion as a part of a larger context. Mm-hmm. So um, that's very helpful now, you know, because people, unfortunately, with the handmaid's tale, all that stuff, right. people, you know, it's just like, no, um, people of color have been experiencing reproductive oppression for some time. Right. So just really, like, what is reproductive justice? Go into Sister Song's website. Mm-hmm. And I and I would encourage y'all again to go listen to the first conversation me and Brianna had. She went in depth, more so on reproductive justice and the difference between reproductive rights. And um, I just appreciate you and the work that you do. Mm-hmm. And just just being an amazing black woman, oh, I, I appreciate you. you, Denzel. You're the lucky one. Just to, <laughs> just to let you know. <laughs> but uh, I look forward to having you back uh, to talk more about this because again, I'm learning every time that we talk. And I just think, you know, especially as a man, we just mm-hmm. need to we just need to be in closer proximity to women mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to these kind of conversations. And so we can learn to grow. But also, too, um, so we can just let our thoughts be heard. And so yeah. y'all have mm-hmm. an idea on, you know, what we're thinking, yeah, how we from, yeah, yeah, where we coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, right or wrong. <laughs> right or wrong. Right, right or wrong. So y'all mm-hmm. just know, and so y'all know when to say, "Hmm, that's interesting." Or, oh no, you're you're wrong. Like mm-hmm. let me let me help you get get your terminologies and your and your and your uh, whole just you know thing together. So uh, I appreciate you for doing that for mm-hmm. me. Um, and uh, until next time. Yeah. Until yeah. next time.